my favorite story that we've ever done was in Golfer's Journal number 15. It just won uh, an award for um, uh, the 2021 Best Sports Writing Award. It was about uh, Paspalum grass. And I was playing with a guy in Jacksonville, Florida, on a course that was Paspalum, and he stubbed a chip, and he started mother bleeping the grass. And I'm like, what are you going on about? And he's like, this Paspalum grass, it's not even from here. It shouldn't be here. And I said, well, where is it from? And he said, look it up. It's from Africa. And then he walked to his cart. And I thought that's odd. Welcome to the Tossing Clubs podcast. Next on the tee, your hosts, Frank Zhang, Zach Moses, and Aaron Tan. Yo, what is up, everyone? This is another episode of Tossing Clubs, and this week we have Casey Bannon from the Golfer's Journal. This guy, man, he tells some great stories, and I really thoroughly enjoyed everything he had to talk about. Uh, guys, I mean, I think this was a sweet interview. Yeah, this was this was an awesome conversation with Casey. The Golfer's Journal doesn't always cover that much pro golf, so it was nice to get Casey kind of talking about everything that just happened at the Open Championship and with Live Golf, and and then hearing all the stories he had about um, in the Golfer's Journal, and and some of those stories was very cool as well. Yeah, how sick was that uh, past Palum story? Um, but without further ado, let's just get into it. We got a full hour for this one, so without further ado, here is the interview with Casey Bannon. All right. Uh, welcome to today's episode of Tossing Clubs. We have uh, Casey Bannon as our guest, uh, the assistant editor of the Golfer's Journal. Uh, Casey, how's it going? Welcome to the show. It's good, man. Um, thank you for having me. I don't get invited on many podcasts, so this is fun to come come talk about golf with the fellas. So, And my first TikTok podcast appearance. I don't have a TikTok yet, but I might download it just to watch this. <laughs> Please do. Uh, we could always use a few more followers. Um, well, yeah, welcome to the show. We're, we're excited to talk to you. Uh, know the Open Championship just wrapped up just a couple of days ago. Lots going on there, and we definitely want to talk about it. But I guess maybe just to like kick us off, um, for our listeners who don't know who you are, don't know who like what the Golfer's Journal is, could you maybe give us just like a, a quick one to two minute uh, background on those? Yeah, sure. So I'm, I'm sitting in our headquarters here in San Clemente, California, which is uh, right between LA and San Diego on the coast here. Uh, the Golfer's Journal just turned five years old this year. It's a premium quarterly reader supported uh f- you know pretty much fully independent uh magazine but it goes well beyond a magazine we do put out four of the print books that you see sitting behind me uh however the people that subscribe to the book also uh they come and play in our events that we host across the country we're doing 22 events this year ending at uh with our with our big uh event called the two man which actually goes uh, on sale tomorrow. That's at Baltimore Country Club. Uh, so uh, we connect in real life. We also They also uh, gain access to our digital clubhouse, uh, which is housed on Discord, a platform uh, you young guys should be familiar. But, it, you know, to think of it like, a, like your traditional golf membership, only we don't have a course. Uh, our course is really, you know, anywhere we decide to gather at that particular time. But it's it's got a clubhouse. It's got a member, you know, member discounts in the shop. Um, uh, it's got playing privileges. Uh, yeah. So we're, you know, first and foremost, we're a content company. We're, we're committed to telling the best possible golf stories, ones that will resonate with you uh, the same way in ten years as they do today when you read them, uh, in whatever medium that is: podcasts, films, uh, the print book, digital digital only articles. Um, and then we're about connecting in, in real life, um, and sort of growing this sense of community, which has been called the broken tea society by, by the members themselves. They sort of coined that phrase. So it's a little bit of everything. Um, you know, we try to tell the best possible stories with the least amount of ads as possible. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of the goal, uh, clean, elegant, understated, 
and um, and powerful. So, yeah, that's that's essentially what we do. And uh, just turning five years old now, we're hiring new people. Uh, it's a very exciting exciting time to work in golf, but especially at the Golfers Journal. That's awesome, and I love the uh, the no ads part. Uh, that's very different from like when you pull up, you know, a golf Golfers Digest or a uh, Golf dot com magazine, and you're looking through, and it's just like ads on every page. And it's nice to look at the Golfers Journal, and it's a ton of beautiful photography, a lot of good writing, and not many ads, which is great. Um, so that's that's really cool. Yeah, not not only not only in print, but also in in television, right? during the during the golf tournament like we just watched you know nobody nobody likes their golf interrupted uh to be sold to so um we have uh seven seven partners that we work with and we keep it limited and you get through them at the front of the book and then it's just uh it's just straight content after that yeah more golf is better always better (laughs) let's 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 talk about the golf uh we just had a, a big tournament this past weekend a couple days ago opening championship the 150th at St. Andrews in Scotland. We're all watching. Maybe we start with some just like first reactions. I'll open up the floor. What did, what did people think? Heartbroken for Mr. Rory McIlroy. Uh, obviously, I think that was the big story. Everyone was rooting for him. But uh, Cam Smith, now that, uh, I'll be honest, when he was putting the lights out, I was rooting for him. I'm a huge fan of his just demeanor. Uh, but after hearing that he might be committing to live I now have uh, second thoughts on rooting for him. Uh, but overall, I thought it was a great tournament. It's great to see uh, link style tournament, right? It's cool seeing golfers not shoot at every single pin. And then, you know, they get bad bounce, but then, you know, they have to be good lag putters. And uh, overall, I thought it was just a very exciting tournament, despite it being, you know, a birdie fest, some may say. Were you a fan of the, the birdie fest, Casey? Do you like these championships that golfers go really low i know a lot of the talk was kind of um you know 20 under par that's quite a bit should this be more of like a challenge for like a major championship yeah i didn't really uh, it does frustrate me a little bit when somebody will go you know 12 14 deep at a u.s open uh, sure it didn't really feel like 20 under to me watching i i think that was just the setup of the golf course and how firm it was you know you essentially kind of came into watching each day knowing that there would be four drivable fours and all the fives would be gotten in two and it would essentially be, you know, who can, who can two putt or, or one putt if you're putting off the green. So it didn't really dawn on me that, you know, we were closing in on the 20 mark till late in the day, but it, it also had like sort of a, a match play feel, especially down the stretch, you know, Cam birdies one or Cam birdies uh, 10, you know, Rory has to birdie 10. Okay. Rory doesn't birdie 10. Okay. He picks up a stroke there. Cam birdies 13. Oh, that wasn't on the card that we had. So you sort of had these birdies scripted out. Um, so I thought it made it really fun to follow along and anticipate, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it it was, it was a little sad watching. I mean, it, it felt like what we used to do to St. Andrews on, you know, Tiger Woods 06 (laughs) really. Um, so it was, it was sad to see the course sort of fall to the times, but I still thought it provided a, a brilliant viewing experience and, um, yeah, it was a joy to watch. Absolutely. Did you have a horse in the race? I'm a, I, I've always been a Rory guy. I, I named my black lab Rory in 2011. Um, uh, he's since passed on, but, um, uh, which is sad. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, I just, I root hard for the guy. He's, he's hard not to root for. Um, and it just, it felt like that was the way that the, the script was supposed to be written for the 150th open. Um, and I guess nothing really, the script was kind of blown up from the start when Tiger hit it in the divot on one. Um, <laughs> and then it was kind of fitting actually, when you look back on it, that, you know, you start there and you end with, with sort of this, um, this letdown. But I love that you say that it, even though it was you know 20 under 19 under like it didn't feel like that because i felt the same way like i i I love links golf and i just feel like you know my complaint with you know birdie golf or you know hitting 20 under 30 under is that it just feels like you just like bomb a drive hit a wedge right close to the pin knock a putt in versus these guys had to play you know crazy shots or I, I don't know I felt like creative shots at least 
like the greens are firm and fast there's hills everywhere like you know you've got the road you've got the bunkers you've got it, it never felt like it was easy it definitely felt like it was it was a challenge even though the course may have played you know uh, it may have fallen quote unquote uh to 20 under but I, it was definitely entertaining to me yeah it, it's a good point I, it never really felt it it felt like links golf but you never you didn't see a whole lot of linksy shots played in that um they were still hitting you know drivers way up in the air carrying it as far as it could mostly just sort of like bombing it down there. they didn't even care if they hit it into the into the fescue um they were aiming for it <laughs> they were aiming for it so you know i think of like that i don't know if you've seen that that video that old video of sevy hitting a three iron off the downhill lie um when he's playing with trevino and trevino's yelling at it like touch a class you, you know i I don't. I can't recall a lot of long irons that were played into any greens this week. That's true. Even the whole, even seventeen, which was supposed to be. Now the wind played a part of that, but you know you're not supposed to be able to take dead aim at that flag in the back left. And both him and Cam Young, Rory and Cam Young, did it two days in a row. So that that was the only disappointing part. Is you didn't see anybody like trage flight a hook a five iron in there or something and, and let it scoot, but. Other than that, uh, the shots around the greens are very much links golf. Yeah, you touch on Cam Young. Uh, man, that guy is, he just shows up during majors. He's absolutely incredible ball striker. Love his swing. Do you think him or uh, Willie Z will, uh, you know, knock one down first? Oh, that's a great question. They actually have a similar move now that you th- you think about it. Like Cam Young's pause is a little longer, but um, there's a lot of the same action in there. I I would I would guess Zalatoris only because he's been there three times now, so that has to do something for you experience wise. But it doesn't really look like Cam Young is very interested in experience. <laughs> I mean, he's just <laughs> he he doesn't look he doesn't look scared um, really by anything. So one of these big northeastern golf courses that they're going to go to next in Oak Hill or something, he might just he might just tear it up. Don't uh don't didn't Willie Z and and Cam Young go to the same college? Are they both Wake Forest guys? Yeah, like, they did were. they have similar swing coaches? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I think I think Willie Z will probably take the the first major, but I don't know. Cam Young, like, do you think he'll win Rookie of the Year? Is he like a sure bet now? I would guess so. I don't. I to be honest, I'm not sure who else is in in that category, but. Um, yeah, he's putting an incredible season together. I watched him when he was out at Riv, and I think the what the first thing I noticed was his wedge play, like his his intermediate wedge play for a guy that hits it so far. Um, he slides the club underneath the ball, and he had all these different types of shots. Um, so I don't really see too many holes. He's he seems to be a decent putter. Yeah, he's he's going to be a scary guy. Yeah, that, that eagle on 18 was incredible, driving the green, making the putt, doing everything Rory needed to do but couldn't do the whole after, which was, was such a bummer. Um, I want to talk about Cam Smith, 30 on the back nine, and basically like an away game for him. It felt like the entire crowd there was there for Rory. It was Rory's home game. It was basically destined for him to win, and then Cam goes out, shoots 30 on the back, takes the tournament, wins it. I mean, is there a better putter in golf right now? Cam's, I mean, I was blown away by his performance on, on Sunday. Yeah, I I love Cam Smith. I've been a fan since, uh, you know, since coming into this season, coming into this year. Like, I I felt like he was just coming up uh, with his – he was starting to be really up there in, like, statistical categories and just strokes gained and everything, and – then winning at Kapalua, I was stoked, and and the mullet, just that energy that he brings, and like, you know, the interview after, it's showing a lot of emotion. I, I, he's easy to root for for me. Like, I, I do really like him, and I'm, I'm a fan of his game and the fact that he's having all the success. But guys, he might be joining the, the Saudis. Uh, he might be joining the, you know, evil empire. 
Uh, Casey, you have any opinion on that? Do you have any? I mean, are you rooting for Live? Have you watched Live? Uh, any thoughts on that? I actually haven't watched uh, a single shot of the Live um, broadcast yet. I've uh, I feel like I've I get enough from opening Twitter. Um, I. My thoughts on Cam going to live is what you're asking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he didn't outright deny it, but uh, I guess right. it hasn't been confirmed either per se. Yeah, it it's it's a bit confusing to me, honest. Uh, to to be honest, I think he he didn't he didn't come across to me as the type of temperament that would enjoy going to live it seems to me like he enjoys winning big golf tournaments and competing in big golf tournaments you mentioned like how exciting of a guy he is with the mullet and everything his game actually doesn't really reflect kind of his look at all it's very um it's actually very kind of conservative and calculated and very steady you know um even his personality afterwards i can't really tell if he's shy or just really kind of a cruiser, almost kind of a flatliner, as they used to call it, Dustin Johnson. But um, yeah, s- s- the thing about the live tour is, and I can I can only really fa- muster up w- two reasons why a 28 year old like Cam Smith would want to go play the live tour, and one is because that he would like money or he likes money, which could very well be the case two is that he just doesn't want to grind anymore and he's just um he doesn't want to play the Zurich classic of new orleans and the (laughs) rsm you know like but i i don't the more i think about it i don't really think he falls into the number one category of he just likes money um you know i think back to the players interview Oh, after after he won the players' championship, when you know he was just excited that his sisters were there because he hadn't seen them in a while and he wanted to spend time with them. Nothing really about him, you know. He can only buy so many fishing poles, so I don't know. I I have a hard time believing that that's the case. Um, I have a hard time believing the second thing is the case, but you know, golf. Um, when when you're treated like a business not a person which i think the the pga tour has done with a lot of its players maybe not the pga tour specifically but the culture around the pga tour has turned these guys into walking businesses i can see why someone may want to break from that um i don't think uh going over to play team events is necessarily the break that they really want um they may have to go through that to learn that that's not what they want but um, yeah, it's a confusing one to me because he doesn't fit the description or profile of someone that uh, I think would be attracted to, to something like that. Right. I think uh, it's surprising. Like a lot of the past golfers that have joined Live, it's either they were on the decline and I feel like Cam is right now still trying to reach his apex. I you know, I think he could be even better than what he showed at the Open. Uh so, like you said, people who love money. I think Cam is just someone who likes to crack a beer, go fishing, hang out with his buddies. Uh, so I found that surprising. And I, you know, his demeanor. I think he was a very likable golfer. And you know, a lot of golfers they're very stale, cookie cutter. And I think he was a break from that. So to me, it's uh, a little bit disappointing. Um, some of the other names that have been rumored to join: uh, Tommy Fleetwood, Hideki. And well, it's confirmed that David Verity he's joining. So I think they're really building uh, Live as actually having quite a lot of momentum. And uh, I, I guess I just didn't expect that from when this was announced. Yeah, I mean, lots of money can do a lot of things. I mean, I think the most frustrating thing for me is it's just fracturing the game. And like as a fan, all you really care about is watching all the best players play against each other and like that competition and you you get that at majors and like watching the open championship was so incredible because you had all the top players in the world playing against each other and i mean yeah the pj tour is not a perfect product but there are other tournaments where most of the top players were playing together like the players championship or uh the tournament down at like riviera or um a couple more and 
like you're just gonna have less opportunities to watch all these great players play together if there's two tours with like you know 20 or 30 top 50 players on each just not a huge fan you think uh you'll be turning on live anytime soon though casey with uh, more and more of these uh i guess you know top tier golfers joining the league uh no i think it would have to be a really exceptional golf course uh i've played pumpkin ridge um i didn't think centurion was bad um I may watch, I'll probably watch Rich Harvest Farms because I've always been interested in, in that golf course. Haven't been out there in Chicago. But, um, you know, the the format as it currently stands doesn't really interest me. Um, and it it's also the everything from the the dialogue on the broadcast, you know, the, the sort of blatant over-the-top sales pitching and the the players tweeting and sort of the agenda they push is just, it just kind of makes it totally unattractive for me. So maybe, you know, if they put two to three years together, um, because I don't doubt from what I've seen that it could be exciting on the ground or that the team format, uh, could be a lot of fun. I personally absolutely love team golf. Um, but as it stands right now, it, it, feels like those old uh team tennis tournaments that like Johnny McEnroe was the captain of one team when he was you know 50 something years old it just doesn't it doesn't feel authentic or uh, there's no there's no real weight or gravity to any of them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I kind so. I kind of agree like I I feel like I tuned in at first just because I was really interested in what the production would be like just interested to see what this new hotness was but and the production was great no ads were great you know but something about it just feels like it's just an exhibition and for a lot of the reasons you just said but you know just kind of overall my feeling was just like not really that interested and I'm I'm not really rushing to the tv to to turn it on and uh I think I don't know like you said maybe give it a couple years and that'll change but for right now I'm, I'm also not too interested yeah, they, I mean, they certainly have a, ch- a chance. I mean, they have more than a chance, actually, uh, with the types of names they keep acquiring. Um, but, I mean, we've seen this in, uh, say, football, for example. You know, the XFL came back, or whatever form the, you know, football uh, ch- challenged the NFL with, and they had all these cool new rules, and they had players mic'd up, and they kind of had all the things that the consumer was asking for. The only problem is you don't have decades of sort of history behind you to carry the product. Nobody cares about it yet. So how do you get past that initial wave to get people to care, to build some legacy, build, build a culture around these events? Um, and sort of hit escape philosophy. I don't. I don't know. I haven't seen one of an example in my lifetime. So it'll take a lot more money and a lot more time. Um, and I just. I. I don't know. I have to. I have to imagine the establishment wins out, or or is at least forced to change or partner with somebody in order to survive. Yeah, Casey. Uh, you touched on. Uh, you know, live golf not having the best courses um i guess i want to transition to what you guys are doing and it's events at like you said 22 courses is that correct yeah we do, we have 22 official events and then um so we have a full decked out sprinter van um that is on the road 10 months a year uh going from event site to event site so we'll also do sort of pop-up gatherings at um along the way uh, a little bit more informal. But. Super cool. Uh, I mean, I just want to ask, how did you guys even start thinking about, I guess, organizing something like this? We have something on a much smaller scale at our local municipal uh, golf course, right, that we host mm-hmm. once a year. But some of these courses are very nice and uh, exclusive. I'm looking at, uh, you know, Lake Merced, which is something that would be super sweet um, to sign up for. But yeah. how, uh, you know, how did that come about? Well, I, I think the underlying philosophy, it, it's certainly not a, you know, a new 
idea, which is if you really love golf, you want to get together with other people that love golf and, and play together. Right. So, um, being that it's an independent publication and reader supported, you know, you need to find, um, different avenues outside of the four times a year that you publish a, a print edition, um, to connect with, with your readership. So the logical answer was sort of, you know, why don't we go and play golf with them? Um, cynically, uh, when you work in golf, um, you look for ways to create more opportunities to play golf for yourself. So um, we thought, wouldn't it be cool if we, you know, could travel around and, and host tournaments or host events or just gathering or just get together with people and play golf? I think that um, how did we go about getting the caliber of golf courses on there, the Baltimore Country Clubs, the Prairie Dunes, um, uh, you know, the, the Chambers Bay gave the golf course to us for a day last year, Catanzit, Hazeltine, Trinity Forest in Texas, um, Lake Merced's, you know, I think we have six top 100s this year. Um, I think it started with uh, really just a, a recognition of the product we were making um, and appreciation for it. You know, a lot of these, a lot of assistant head pros at clubs and head professionals and general managers we learned were actually just subscribing to our magazine. Um, and so I think the first year we did three events and then we d went to eight. And then last year we jumped up to, um, I believe it was uh, 12 or 15. I can't remember. It was a long year. Um, uh, but once that ball started rolling and, and, uh, you know, a course, uh, like a, um, you know, like a Hazeltine raves within the golf industry that, you know, we had Golfers Journal subscribers out here and they are sort of the center of the of the bullseye for people who are in the know in golf, uh, people who people who travel to play golf, people who are well-read and studied on the game, people who respect the game, people who play fast. You know, it's kind of the ideal crowd um, for them to have uh, for a day out there if they were going to do an outside event. So, um, you know, and then, and then, you know, a separate branch off became, okay, what about, what about the, the local, the hidden gems? What about, you know, your favorite golf course down the street that nobody knows about, but when you're in town for business, you should go, you, you, you must go and play there. You know, Jeffersonville in Philadelphia, um, you know, was struggling a decade ago. Now I think they, they do 42,000 rounds a year. So, um, uh, that that just became a way f uh, for us to bring awareness to some golf courses that I think we think should have. You know, Tobacco Road. We can't. I can't even get a tee time anymore at Tobacco Road. But that was, you know, that was our jam three years ago. Um, so there there are plenty of golf courses uh, that have a story that we want to tell uh, first and foremost. Um, that we want to highlight that are architecturally significant. That it, that just put out a vibe. Um, like Lanark in Philadelphia, we just did, it just, it just, you know, put out a, a vibe that you would want to kick back on the patio and, and be a member there for a day. Um, so it, it really, it really comes down to a relationship game, but it, I, I think it really started when, uh, they opened the golfer's journal and, and saw what all was all about and wanted to, you know, uh, partner with, with something of that caliber. So. Yeah, I love that. I, I like my whole life, I've always been in and out of golf and felt like country clubs, especially the top tier, you know, most exclusive ones are just exclusive. Mm -hmm. Like it's like a secret society, you know, like you, these people just hide their golf course and protect it. But from doing actually this podcast this year and from just talking to a lot of people about golf, I, I feel like it's pretty interesting to to get people's attitudes like uh, every once in a while I'll talk to someone who'll be like oh yeah like I would love to get you and the other podcast guys on at you know insert xyz country club or whatever their course is like people people are kind of like you said uh really wanting to network with other like-minded people that you know love golf maybe play fast whatever it might be people that are really into the sport and just share that with others 
Yeah, and you know, it's not about going to exclusive clubs for exclusivity's sake. Um, you know, I certainly didn't grow up in that environment, and there are many times still when I'm on the road and and go places, and I just I just don't feel comfortable there. You know, I don't feel like I can be myself. I don't feel wanted. Um, I, I don't feel I feel in the way, almost like I'm walking on eggshells the whole time. So uh, to us, it's about if, if we're if if the place is private, then it's private. But it's because a this golf course is so outstanding, and uh, the the community has told us this is someplace they cannot play and would like to play. It's really awesome to hand them the keys for the day and say, you can play until dark. You know, we've got eighteen holes in the morning set up as a tournament. We've got lunch. We got dinner. We got free drinks. After that, it's your golf course. That is, um, that's probably the coolest part about the job. Um, that's, that's probably the, the whole idea is sort of reclaiming this idea of exclusivity and, and sharing it with the people that support this place. So, um, you know, I, I, I feel the same way you do, Aaron, which is, um, it's still the idea of private clubs and, and sort of that upper echelon is still a little, strange to me i play at the san clemente municipal course i actually cannot get a tee time when i'm at home i pretty much play all my golf um on the road which is more reason to schedule more events um but yeah i'm a muni hopper by nature love it casey do you have a uh like a favorite course that you think the average golfer would have like never heard of that you recommend that they can play maybe one that yeah, one that you could play, one that maybe the, the Golfer's Journal hosted a tournament at recently. Maybe just like something that you talked about the like kind of like the local muni's that you walk down the street, you may not have heard of them. They're not the big name courses, but they're still beautiful. You can get a ton out of them. And just kind of wondering if there's any courses that come to mind for you. Um, yeah, uh, Boiling Springs in Woodward, Oklahoma was one that I was super proud um, that we sort of came across. Some people, some subscribers in Oklahoma took tip me off about it it's $30 to play um run by one guy Jeff Wagner the greens were the best set of greens I've played all year probably in the last two or three years bent grass in the middle of nowhere Oklahoma bent grass greens um so I I love those stories um super sandy just kind of rugged um t-shirt golf um uh I grew up in northern Virginia um, kind of on the DC border, there's, there's, uh, lots of great stuff over there. I grew up playing Fort Belvoir's golf course, which is open to the public. It's on a military base. Um, but seeing guys out there in, in their fatigues on lunch breaks, um, uh, was always sort of a nice reminder to me of kind of what, what was important. Um, I spent a lot of time up in New England during the summers. I got family up there. Rhode Island, you can't, I mean, Rhode Island might be the most underrated, I don't even know how big Rhode Island is. It's like five minutes each way. <laughs> um, you know, it's the most underrated s state for golf anywhere, and you can't throw a, a rock in either direction without hitting a really cool, um, you know, 6,100-yard golf course. And up by your your place, Zach, uh, Wing Point, golf club which is uh private wingpoint golf course uh it was just a 6100 yard golf course. i love the tight sort of intimate um uh you know like you step off one green and you land on a next tee box it's like the golf course is giving you a hug all that stuff um so the, these places are everywhere um and it's my hope for next year that we we sort of unearth even more of them um there with how much golf's being played i don't know how much they really need to shut down their course for a day to to bring us out so if they want to i'm game but it's like you know you do your 200 rounds go go ahead king <laughs> and uh, casey before we move on i want to ask uh how does for our listeners how does one sign up for one of these events and let's say someone is hesitant because oh you might not be yeah, the best golfer out there. Yeah. Uh, should that person be worried? Uh, the answer is no. Uh, we just did a, a July 4th uh, event out at Sand Valley. It's the second year we've done it now, over three days. 
and uh, the handicaps range from plus two to, I kid you not, 38. So um, we try to find formats. If we are, if there is a competitive element, uh, we find formats that pretty much anybody would enjoy playing. Um, there's always a gross and a net game going on. Um, there's also no, also cash optional money games that you can uh, throw down on the first tee. Um, so no, you, you should not be concerned uh, uh, whatsoever. Um, unless we go back to Chambers Bay, then you should be very concerned. Um, <laughs> how you sign up. So as long as you're subscribed, uh, you know, everyone's issued a login, just like any other member um, that, you know, any other golf course membership, you have a member login. Um, and all of our events are, are posted on the site with on sale dates. Uh, some of the events are, uh, most of the events are lotteries. Um, so you throw your name in the lottery and then when it closes, we'll notify you, uh, if you've been selected others like tomorrow or first come first served. Um, you know, we've had, we're still trying to, we're, we're getting better admittedly about the registration process. I mean, I don't think we really anticipated this, the sort of, um, the demand or the participation in these last last year for the broken t2 man the tournament that goes in sale tomorrow we had 1500 people on the wait list so um it's crashed the site a couple times so it's just you know not everyone's going to be happy we've we continue to add like second dates um for example like at a mid mid pines we did three days and it sold out in i think two minutes so we booked a a day right at uh, a, a second date for later in the fall um, but any any member can sign up, and uh, there are certain events. Uh, most of the events, you can bring a guest who's a non-member, which is a cool part. Um, which is kind of just you know an opportunity to bring bring somebody else into the fold. That's super cool. When I oh sorry, when I said uh, for our listeners, it was really for myself because I'm trying to get into that Lake Merced. Right? <laughs> Frank, let me know, baby. <laughs> yeah, Lake Merced is gonna be killer. I think we're gonna be the first group outside the membership to play it after the renovation's done which is wow super cool yeah so i know photography is another thing that you guys work on um and i've seen you know some beautiful shots on on social media and i'm I'm sure there's a lot in the magazine do you kind of i guess talk a little about that a little bit about that and also i'm just curious do you do you focus around like the events that you host or or do you just go around to you know you have like target places during the year, depending on what stories you're covering, maybe, or, or talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So the photography, I'm glad you brought it up. Photography is really the, uh, at the core of everything we do. Um, I think our, I think our imagery is the, is the thing that immediately differentiates us from any other golf outlet or publication. Um, the, the, magazine itself was started by Brendan Thomas, who um, came from the surf world. He was the editor of Surfer Magazine and then the publisher of the Surfer's Journal, which is our sister publication um, out here in San Clemente. So when he was starting it five years ago, uh, he really wasn't embedded in the golf world and didn't have a lot of creatives to sort of hire, but he also didn't want it to look like any other sort of golf photography what what was out there at the time so uh you know we started by hiring a lot of uh, people from the skate and surf world um so i think a lot of our imagery is sort of rooted in that um either that the adventure and the excitement of surf or the romance of surf and then the sort of the the grittiness uh, a little bit the, the darker side of um skate and action sports um, and then we have, you know, specific treatments that we do for the photos that really make them sort of pop, uh, on print. A lot of people think that you, you know, if you take great photos for Instagram, then you could, you know, shoot photos for a print magazine. Um, when you, when you lay that same photo down and, and print it out and blow it up, it often looks, uh, not as great as it did on Instagram. So there's, there's different techniques that need to be applied there as well. Um, as far as where we go shoot, um, you know, each book has 136 pages. Uh, uh, you know, e- pretty much every story is has a has a new shoot 
commissioned. Um, and so we gather a lot of gathering a lot of our assets from there. And then, and then now from the roadside, um, where we get to go document all these fantastic courses. And then while we're on the road, you know, if you're, if you're headed to, uh, somewhere in New York and uh, like last year and got a chance to go out to national golf links of America, you know, uh, if the cameraman's with you, we're going to, we're going to shoot, you know, on, on long Island for a few days, um, and, and gather as much as we can. So, um, yeah, our, our archive is growing and it's, it's pretty incredible. I mean, uh, I think we need to, I think we're due to do a, you know, sort of a photography only issue. Um, there's just so many great photos that I can't keep track of, um, that get lost in the archive that, you know, that could have been a cover on a magazine somewhere. So, yeah, the photography is just absolutely beautiful. It's, it's awesome to look at. Um, I want to talk about, uh, like Casey, you as, you know, as an editor, as like a journalist, are there types of stories that you seek out that you like to uncover is there anything that you're working on now that that you could share with us uh, today? Um, something that that's top of mind. Yeah, um, the stories I like to cover. I I really enjoy seeing, um, you know, if you think of golf like a window, you know, and uh, within that window is sort of the the range of things that that golf touches, or or maybe a Venn diagram, maybe if you will, um, the 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 range of topics that golf can allow you to write about. Um, I really enjoy stretching that thing as far as you can possibly stretch it. Um, because I do, th you know, the reason why I was initially attracted to golf is because I think it, it's the, it's the game of life for so many reasons. And it's, it's kind of constantly evolving to reflect what you're either struggling with in life or currently dealing with. Um, and it just appears Oh, the game appears over and over and over again if you play wherever you look. Um, so, uh, you know, in my time here, I've done stories about people who've never played golf before that commandeered a vacant lot in Phoenix and turned it into a, you know, a, a wiffle ball golf course um, in protest of the, of the city's permit uh, process. Um, I've interviewed the ex-CIA director Leon Panetta over a bet he made to kill bin Laden, which was done during a, a round of golf. I've, um, I've talked to doctors about, you know, the science behind why people yip. I've, I've, I've talked to, you know, professors at Harvard about the gentleman who invented the first tea there, Dr. George F. Grant in, in the 1800s. So, um, I really love the stories that you look back on and you were like, oh my God, that, that really wasn't about golf at all, was it? Um, that's, that's kind of my jam. Um, we're about to release a new book in next month. Um, and in there is probably the, I don't know if it's my favorite thing I've ever done, but it, it was definitely the highest honor. I spent four days out at Cypress Point, um, profiling a caddy there who, uh, has one of the more incredible stories in golf that I've ever heard of. Um, but I don't know how many writers or photographers they've let sort of have their, have access to the place, you know, maybe Robert, uh, or, uh, uh, yeah, maybe the match, uh, the book. And, um, I can't, I can't think of too many other examples. So that was like a, you know, seminal moment in my writing career. And that one's on, it's, uh, that one's in golfer's journal number 21. So I've been waiting for six months, probably close to by the time I finish writing it for it to come out. That's incredible. Yeah. Really excited yeah. to read that. Did you get a chance to play the course while you were down there? <laughs> uh, no, I was, uh, I walked into the pro shop every day for four days and, uh, with my clubs with me, um, and asked if it would be possible to play that day. Um, and each day the no got a little bit more aggressive. Oh, no. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I will hopefully some, one of the members likes it there and will invite me back. That's, that'll be the way, but. Well, I hope you get to play that course one day. Yeah. It's beautiful out there. Thank you. 
I hope you do as well. I, uh, everyone should play. Once. I actually somehow had the opportunity to play. <laughs> uh, Did you really? Here's, here's the humble brag. Wow. Uh, I mean, I, brag. I, I grew happen? up in Monterey, uh, and okay. my golf coach uh, was like, I don't know, just like pretty well-known golf coach. Went, went to Stanford. Was Tom Watson's roommate at Stanford, and so he had all these golf connections. One of those connections was, I guess, someone at Cypress Point, and like as a gift to all the seniors on the golf team, you got to play Cypress like that one time as a senior. And so this was, I guess, over 15 years ago now. But um, yeah, in- just absolutely incredible. Best course I've ever played. Just so beautiful. Don't really remember what I shot at all, but it was <laughs> yeah, such a memorable experience. That's incredible uh, as a as a team gift. That's like... um. There was a team I played in college, Columbus State, uh, was in our conference, and their coach was uh, Mark Immelman, Trevor's brother, and so they all got around at Augusta every year, and I would, every time I saw them on the putting green, I would ask if I could come transfer there uh, <laughs> in front of my coach, too, and he understood. That's crazy. Sorry, uh, Jamie, I think uh, with our guests, I think uh, Zach's... Uh, I think that specific course for Zach is like the most impressive, but don't worry, Casey, I bet you've gotten beyond other courses that uh, he would like to, you know, try out. So uh, maybe, I don't know. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty up there. Um, I do love the cow club in the Bay though, for you guys. I mean, that's probably my, that's, that's gotta be way up there, but I haven't really, I, I'm very new into my um, top, top 25 hunting life. Mm. I, I haven't really, I haven't really gone gone to Zach's level yet. <laughs> that's that's like the only good only good course on my list. But um, yeah, Cal Club's another one. We had we had a guest on uh, earlier that used to, um, or was it Olympic Club? He worked at one of them, and he got to play it was all Olympic the time. Club. Was, oh, it was Olympic. Okay, yeah. different course, yeah. but also a nice one. Also great. I I, I yeah. did have one question real quick. Going back to uh, going back to the stories that you cover and everything, I'm curious i don't know if you guys have like a mission or anything but definitely notice that you know like you said golf is so prevalent in just life it it's like different from any other sport like i watch you know football just to watch the pros play i watch baseball just to watch the pros play but golf is like different so is it is it like on purpose that you're not not you're not covering pros like a whole lot like a lot of your stories are like you know, like you said, the, the caddy at Cypress Point or it just, you know, some and any interesting story that's not just like the pro game and how, you know, who won the last tournament last weekend? Uh, it, it just depends. I mean, golfers show number one, there was a we went to Jimmy Walker's house to check out his telescope. He takes sick, uh, you know, his astrophotography is incredible, you know, and it's just a it's just a hobby for him. Um, so they're really, they're really stories about people. They're stories about life. If you just, if, if the pro game happens to be in there, um, that's cool too. Um, but you're looking, you know, to have a story be, uh, you know, evergreen is a, is a word we use a lot. I don't know if a lot of people know what it means, but like if you're going to pick up a golfer's journal in 15, 20 years, as I hope people do, um, that story has to be so far removed from, uh, time and current events. And it, it can take you back to that moment, but it can't really be dependent on that. You know, um, there has to be some underlying message, um, underlying hook, underlying sort of, um, reasoning for you to care about it beyond the moment that you put it down or even want to pick it back up. Um, you know, the, my favorite story that we've ever done, um, was in golfer's journal number 15. It just won, uh, an award for, um, uh, the 2021 best sports writing award. I didn't write it. Um, but it was about, uh, past Palum grass, um, on the ocean course at, the grass that's on the ocean course at Kiowa and at Sea Island and um, really in, on the on the 
southeastern coast of the United States. And I was playing with a guy in Jacksonville, Florida, on a course that was past Palm, and he stubbed a chip, and he started mother bleeping the grass. And I'm like, what are you going on about? And he's like, this past Palom grass, it's not even from here. It shouldn't be here. And I said, well, where is it from? And he said, look it up. It's from Africa. And then he walked to his cart. And I thought that's odd. And so I dug a little bit and learned that, um, you know, Paspalum, seashore Paspalum is a native West African grass. And a scientist in the 1990s from the University of Georgia had discovered that the only reason it was in the southeastern United States was that it was used to bed, um, line the beds of, of slave ships. Um, and the seeds were tracked off of these ships when they docked at Sea Island and close to Kiowa and uh, many other places that you find um, past Palom grass courses. So we wrote a story on um, the history of this grass and there was no, there was no uh, conclusion. There was no resolution. There was no, um, there was no point that it was trying to prove. It just told the story of how the grass got here and it started some really interesting dialogue. Um, we certainly weren't asking people to cancel a type of grass. Um, we were we were asking them to sort of understand um, what's beneath their feet at any given moment, and especially when it comes to to golf courses. So, I mean that that story has very little to do with golf. Um, if anything to do at all, it just so happens that they made golf courses out of it. Uh, and I think it's the best story we've ever done. So it's certainly a different way of thinking, approaching golf stories. Um, it's, it's a, it's about, you know, I've worked in, uh, you know, I did, uh, journalism before this. It, it's about 200 times harder to find stories that fit the mold of what we're talking about, but it's also a thousand times more worth it, uh, when it works. And on that cheerful note, <laughs> I was going to say that that was number fifteen. If we want to go go read it, yes, yes, Paspalum uh, Shadows was, was the name of it. Nice. I did have one more question. Uh, no judgment here. What is your golf handicap? My golf handicap is a plus one point five, but I will say that um, I will own up that I'm missing a few scores from this year. So it's it's probably closer to scratch. I've thrown up some nice seventy eights this year, like nice ones. So, um, <laughs> I'll, which is fine. Well, that's pretty darn good. Uh, All right. Well, awesome. okay. Fo- follow yeah. up question: What's your lowest round ever? Then, <laughs> uh, uh, sixty five. Nice. Sixty five a couple times. I've always wanted to shoot sixty four. I've always wanted to shoot sixty four like Cam Smith, but I get way too nervous. Uh, I get way too nervous. That's impressive. Yeah. I feel that. Love that. Wow. Awesome. Well, um, Casey, thank you so much for, for joining us. This was this was awesome. This was really delightful. I uh, appreciate having you on. Yeah, thank you, guys. Best of luck with, uh, with the show. And I hope to see you at Lake Merced, Frank. I'll hit you up. Thank you, Casey. <laughs>